So I've got three questions for you. Cool. First question is, why don't you really eat meat? Why aren't you like, why aren't you Mr. Meat Eater? Oh, it's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. So it, it, well, it's, it's, it's an easy question, but it's also like a, it yeah. depends. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, ultimately it's an easy question, but I guess we'll break it down. Like it comes down to, because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. That's the simple, that's why, the simple why don't you want to? Is, but then I can break it down into a few different areas. So like, I guess I haven't really like been eating, I haven't really been eating meat for about eight years now, mm. I would say. And it started off um, in South Africa when I was living in Sitsikamu National Park. And I went from having a bag of biltong in my pocket and like snacking on, you know, biltong is like, it is delicious. Well, it was when I used to eat it, absolutely delicious. What is it? Biltong is like, it's kind of like jerky, but it's not fake. It's right, like okay. literally like chili and salt flavored, like dried out meat strips. So like I was like rolling around South Africa eating this stuff. Yeah. And then I rocked up into this place and just had such an amazing experience. And like, it was a very creative kind of like, almost like an ashram, but not really. It was just a backpackers out and in the in the woods Sitsikama National Park and I met amazing people and they introduced me to like different ways of living and up until that point I'd been very much like focused on my perception like of what health was and like training a lot and going to the gym a lot and getting bigger and like physical kind of perception and eating like certain ways that I'd been trained to eat through like you know through school and through university and those kind of modern not modern those kind of ways that you know the western world is taught to eat these days and i was then introduced to being like well like if you're eating meat like that carries a lot of guilt with it mm, yeah, you know, like, yeah definitely. you're carrying the guilt of all those animals when you eat that you like absorb that guilt and like i was kind of entering into the first kind of, i guess i would call like uh real like spiritual kind of change in my life where I was like kind of introduced to meditation and yoga and like a different way of living than I had been brought up doing and there's nothing wrong with the way I was brought up I was very lucky and had an amazing upbringing but it was just a new way of thinking and the first thing was that kind of wow that's true like there's a lot of suffering <laughs> in this in these industries that produce the food that I'm eating yeah and I don't necessarily want to like take on that guilt and like whether it's conscious or subconsciously feeling it that guilt is there and i think that comes through possibly like subconsciously in your personality when you're eating foods that aren't that have that guilt associated with them and i think that was the first kind of that was the first like a lot happened in one time um but that was the first kind of thing i was like i don't want to carry that and then once uh, once i start once i stopped eating meat so much then i like built on all these other reasons why i don't want to do it as well yeah and there was like the you know the climate stuff and the environment stuff and there was the then i started to get into the health stuff all at once and i went 
I actually was raw vegan for a while while I was there. And so that was like a full-on switch. Um, and that kind of worked for a while because I was living in a hot climate and you can kind of do that kind of thing. I'm sure there are people that do it all around the world, but in different climates. But for me, that wasn't sustainable. <laughs> you know, like doing like being raw vegan, that's that's tough. That's so what, what is just, what is raw vegan for you? Like how... How did that work? What is raw vegan? Well, it's just, it's all, it's all raw food. So I think it's going back quite a long time. So I can't remember the exact details of it, but I think it's like nothing is heated over 35 or 40 degrees or something. So like, obviously you're eating all vegan food. Yeah. um, So there's no like animal products um, or meat. And so it's a lot of fruit. It's a lot of nuts. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of stuff like that like it's a very yeah it was interesting it was amazing I felt incredibly like incredibly healthy and like I was in a really amazing state like I was getting up in the morning watching the sunrise going and do like you know meditation or yoga and then going to breakfast like having this like you know amazing connection and like it was also like about the mindfulness of eating this food as well was when I really started to like like appreciate the flavors and things and not just eat for like I have to eat, I have to fill up my yeah, body yeah. to get my muscles bigger and that kind of thing. It was about like really appreciating the smells and the tastes of that food and understanding like where it had come from and all the, ch- all the chain of events that had allowed me to have that food in front of me rather okay. than just being like, boom, it's all about m- like me and my physical image or whatever. And so that... I really started being much more mindful about what I was eating and how I was eating it. Yeah. And that kind of, I don't know, it felt good. You know, I felt really light. I felt like I felt incredible. And it was funny because then I actually took on being the kitchen manager at that place for a few months. And we would cook for anywhere between sort of 30 and 80 people every night. Oh my beautiful God. area looking out across the forest and very very kind of like you know sacred looking area and we would cook like a, ve- a big pot of like really nice vegan food and then there was a meat option for like meat eaters and then there was like a bunch of salads and breads and stuff as well and okay. um but like for uh, for some of that time i was raw vegan and so i wasn't even trying these foods that i was eating that i that we were making for everyone mm. we were creating it and just trusting in the process that it would be delicious for people and it was like it worked out really really well because we're putting the intention of putting these flavors together and i don't know it was just a very transformational experience to go from uh, kind of breaking my um breaking my like cultural education stepping outside of that and seeing that there's other ways to live and i think you know like it wasn't just my food. It was about how I like treated myself a lot as well. Um, and so back to the question was, why don't I eat me? <laughs> so that was the guilt. And then like on top of that over the years, as I've come to understand more and more about the industry or the, the way the industry has gone, um, then I've felt more and more and more confident in my not eating meat through that whole system because of the impacts that it has on water quality because of the impacts it has on biodiversity loss um, climate because of the impacts it has on people um, on human health on social issues <laughs> on our economy at large um, I've become more and more confident in that that's not to say that I don't like 
I, I have a horticulture major as well. Uh, well. I come from psychology background, but I have a horticulture major now. And we specifically studied organic horticulture. And it was really a really important thing for me to understand ways that food can be produced in a really sustainable, regenerative way that is incredible for human health. And not just to say, like, like farming for meat is bad, but I don't have a solution. You know, I want to be able to say, like, okay, this yeah. thing, this this specific thing I don't agree with, and here's a solution that's actually good for everyone involved. Yeah. Rather than just complaining about things, it's like, let's think of ideas to fix this. Yeah. And be involved in that as well. And so, like, now, sure, like, I'm not perfect. <laughs> like, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, like, I would never say, like, everything I do is perfect, but definitely the, the ways that we try and eat, the way that, you know, I try and eat now is much more based on like where's the food coming from like we try and go to the farmer's market where possible um, I would say like 99.5% plant based vegan um, we have a few eggs every now and then like we've got rescue chickens at our friend's place so we get some eggs from that and then every now and then we get some from the farmer's market but apart from that like I don't look back eh? <laughs> it's like I just like even the other day we got that free meat that was going to be thrown out from Tesco and I'm looking at it and I'm like no interest whatsoever in like putting that in there, like in my mouth so yeah it's and I think that's it's about the like I think that shift for people like it's about the value seeing the value in things because like I think if we like for most of the world we've grown up on eating meat and so like our entire like neurophysiology of like taste is like built around like that being part of how uh, how our brain recognizes like food. food and so we have to retrain that and we almost have to try and overcome that like kind of that that way that we've been educated and our brains have developed by associating a bigger value rather than just the taste like are my taste buds more important or, or is all of the other things that I understand about the things I put in my in my system going to overcome that you know like yeah. and can I sacrifice I'm not saying necessarily like like I'm not saying that not having meat means that things aren't more tasty but at first for people transitioning I think that like rewiring the brain has to come from a place of like well there's way more value for me personally in not eating it because I understand like all of the aspects of what meat actually represents behind the scenes yeah yeah no, I feel like a lot of people who come from it from your um the way that you've got into it in terms of guilt first or, or kind of the animals first or things like that then it snowballs into looking at the other things and it kind of justifies your your choice but when people come up come from it from kind of a diet perspective and, and just purely food choices you know maybe they want to lose weight or something so they, they turn to a vegan diet they tend not to stick with it because you know if it doesn't suit them it is it's definitely you know um a mindset you know it if the diet's not working out for me it's fine I'll just go back and they've not explored any other reason mm -hmm. to kind of justify that change 
Mm. So yeah, I think I mean that happens with all kind of like food plans diets. Not all of them, obviously. There's some really incredible ones out there, and I know people that make incredible ones um, for meat eaters and vegans and people that are halfway in between or, or going in any either direction. But there is that. I guess because the value, if it's solely focused on weight loss, the value it's very like the value doesn't necessarily like outweigh in the long term what you feel like you're losing yeah like i'm i'm having to sacrifice not eating chicken breast for example and i don't think that but i'm from from a perspective someone that's transitioning i'm having to sacrifice this and the only value is like weight loss and like that on the scale that that's not like a that's not a massive weight difference whereas like if you know all of the other if you're like i really care about like having clean water I really care about like you know having rich and diverse biodiversity and and I care about other people's human health and all of these other things and that and the animal welfare and all the other aspects too um to being vegan or plant-based then that scale tips very easily where you're like oh it's actually so easy to sacrifice this one little thing when there's so many other substitutes, and I don't necessarily mean just like meat substitutes, but like all of the other like billions of incredible flavors that we can create without having meat in it. And like, for me, I definitely think like as a cook, like I've become so much better and like so much more creative and like love and enjoy food so much more without having meat in my diet. Yeah, 100%, I'm I'm the same. I, I was a terrible cook, I only had like, oven meals when i was a meat eater you just buy you know chicken or, or beef burger and you just put it in the oven and that was it because if you think there's only like five animals that we eat and if you kind of just base your meals around those five animals you, you're restricting yourself but then the hundreds thousands of vegetables there are mm-hmm. and everything that you can do with it like i know you love mushrooms i did not like mushrooms when i was a meat eater mm-hmm. i only because I had, I was just had the mindset of you know why bother when I've got this meat in front of me mm-hmm. that I'm happy with and it tastes good. So there's no need to explore. But so once I, um, I was going to say forced to explore, but I, I kind of was because I, I had I was in the mindset of restricting my meat intake. So I, I needed to find something else. But that it's like you said, it kind of opened up so many more doors to so many different new ways of eating food that you wouldn't have been exposed to if you just stick to the same meat that you grow up in and you think that's mm-hmm. how food is supposed to be definitely i think like and i i think i've naturally like i don't think everyone is necessarily like curious like a lot of people and that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing like a lot of people like to stick to their ways and they, and there's nothing wrong with that um I think naturally I'm a very curious person and I love change and I love new experiences and that's like what ultimately like I guess led me out into the world to go and explore and and through exploring you like you come across new situations and, 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 and new stimuli but a lot of people don't necessarily have that same intrinsic curiosity to go out and to go into new environments and to have new experiences and so like i think an important thing you know for this kind of movement is how do we reach those people you know and i think 
you know, I don't necessarily have the answers for that, but I think it's important to to recognize that, like, how do we, how do we, and I think, like, things like meat substitutes and mm. and an education around environment and climate and biodiversity um, are really good ways in, because I think maybe, maybe with animal welfare, people find it really easy to, not, I wouldn't say people find it really easy, but because of the way we're brought up, it's people maybe find it easier to have that cognitive dissonance. Yeah. You know, because we've kind of been brought from a very, very young age to see, to relate to animals, especially like farm animals, in a, oh, they're, they're not, they're not worth as much as us. You know, they're lower than us in a way. Like, whereas with dogs and cats, you know, we're like, oh, God, I could never eat a dog or a cat because they're like part of the family. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, the idea of worth. Uh, I've, I've, I think I've talked about that before on here. And it's just mm-hmm. like we, we've built a ladder and, you know, we've placed certain people and certain animals on that ladder. I talk about that with people here in terms of we're at Seal Rescue Island and we're kind of dedicating our lives mm-hmm. to rescuing an animal, but then there's still people who, who don't have that same kind of... Um, need to help farm animals because they do, they they've grown up in a way and I grew up in that way as well it's not a case of you know it's it's the the parents fault for bringing them up it's just the world that we live in mm-hmm. um that we we don't think we don't see farm animals in the same light as we see mm-hmm. seals and the dogs and cats that we have yeah. I think yeah absolutely and I think everyone's on a journey and I think that's a, a really good thing about kind of the fishbowl that we live in in SRI as well is it it is for a lot of people it's their, you know maybe their first time experiencing something away from home yeah and so I think it's good to be soft with people and to introduce them to things you know and like you know we don't buy meat in houses like I guess pe- people can bring it in if they want to themselves but we don't like buy it in the houses and so I think that's a like a good introduction for some people to go from like I would have come from home living with my family and mm. like it's part of like meat is an essential part of the meal. Yeah. And to come into this and go oh there's actually there is other ways and I think it's a really good opportunity to kind of to introduce people to not having meat but yeah, also to allow definitely. them to transition as well like I think because you know like my transit like my transition from being like a meat eater to what I am now has has taken eight years you know and it changes every week depending on my mood and stuff you know like it's been you know a long time since I've you know probably three or four years since I've actually eaten any meat and I think it was maybe when I was on holiday and that was it used to be one of my things like oh well if I'm on holiday like no like if I'm like traveling to a new country like I want to experience the authentic part of that culture Okay. And so, you know, like, I might want to go, like, if I go to Hungary, for example, I think we might have tried, like, I think it was Hungarian goulash or something. And I was like, I think that might actually be the last time we had anything meat-based. But it was like that whole thing, like, well, I'm going to this country, I want to experience everything about it. And at that time, I still valued having that experience over the fact that, like, the animal had to be exploited <laughs> yeah. for its entire life for me to have that experience. And so now, like, I've learned that I that I don't have to have that experience. I'm not saying I never, ever will again. I'm not, like, I think 
something like a place that I'm in now is that I, I don't restrict myself of like mentally I've come to a very like um, accepting uh, place with myself where I'm not pressuring myself saying like you cannot do this and that over the over the last eight years that's what I've found to be the most sustainable thing for me like if there was a situation that arose where something where I don't know where I thought that it was a really good value or like say a good example is like when I was living in Nepal and I was uh, leaving and I was living with a family up in the mountains there and I hadn't asked them to but like just before I left we had like a big leaving dinner and they like killed one of their chickens sort of thing you know and like I was like oh man I'm like (laughs) not really like eating meat but then like that whole experience I was like wow they did this for me like we've had such a massive experience together and like so transformational that like at that time I was like I want to let myself do this and I think that I did gain so much from that and I like grew so much from that and I think it's been really important for me and my mental like like my mental health and my association with like how I see myself in terms of the food that I eat that I don't say I can't do this because like say for example when I came back from South Africa and I had been very strict you know I'd been raw vegan for a while and then I was vegan and then I came back to and I was living in Bristol for a while and like my ego swung me in the other direction you know and it was just like how dare you take that away from us for so long like ah let's go back and like I was eating loads of like dairy products and I was like eating like meat back again and I was like you know, and I swung right back in this direction. And then, like, after a while, I was like, oh, man, I just feel crap. <laughs> and so I kind of came back again. And I it took a, it took a number of years of kind of swinging back and forth. Yeah. And, like, on this on this um, kind of pendulum that wasn't really guided. And that's why, I like, yeah, that's why I like to say now, like, I'm, like, 99% plant-based because, like, ultimately you know we're all apart from the couple of eggs you know then and i know that all, all of the issues associated with the, with the egg industry as well like there's there's huge issues there in terms of exploitation of animals um and you know the killing of the male males and all this kind of stuff as well so but like i think in terms of my ego it's it's worked much better for me to be soft with myself okay that's interesting because I I think it is a big mental battle, but for I think for me, it took me a few years to transition, and you kind of it takes a while to find out where you're happiest, while also it's kind of picking the better of two evils, isn't it? On a daily basis, every decision you make. But for me, I found that I was happiest being the most strict with myself. Mm-hmm. So. I found during that transition period, I was happy with the progress I was making because it took me a while to transition to find things that I could eat and be happy with myself. But um, like during that transition, I just wasn't, you know, comfortable with any decision I was making. So it it wasn't until I got to a point where I was very very strict. It, it, when you say strict, it, it sounds like I'm unhappy. It sounds like yeah, I'm, yeah, know. you know, I'm I'm living under these rules that I've made. But no, it's not. It's like I'm really happy with the decisions that I make. It's it's not a difficult. Every decision isn't a difficult decision because I know how I feel. Do you know what I mean? If someone offers me something, 
I don't have to weigh things up in my mind. I know how I feel. I know whether I'll say yes or no. Mm-hmm. For example, my dad is getting married next month oh, nice. and Congrats. he wants us to wear kilts mm-hmm. as like a military tradition. And um, because we did it a few years ago for my sister's wedding. Um, but since the, the period of time between those two, two weddings, I feel like I've gone on a bit of a journey and I've realised... There's things that I don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. One of the things is I don't like to wear animal products. You know, for me, I'm like, you know, how can I be on this journey to fight for, you know, animal welfare and and mm-hmm. do these things and then wear. What's a kilt made out? A kilt made out of. So the the main bit in the kilt is is like made out of a cow's head. So really? the the yeah. the kind of bag that goes on the front yeah. is is from a cow, and then the rest is made out of wool, and it was sheep so um you know i said to my dad look i will wear one if it's vegan um because i wouldn't i wouldn't feel comfortable wearing it and that's just me but um but at the same time it's kind of started a conversation with my dad and he he kind of didn't understand straight away why i wouldn't want to wear one you know but then after talking to him he kind of saw it from a different angle and now he's going to wear a vegan kilt as well so it's kind of like i'm glad that the decisions that I make sparks conversations with other people. But yeah, I'll move on to my next question, <laughs> which I kind of, just from, because I haven't really spoken to you about this kind of stuff because I wanted to do this, but I kind of understand what the answer is going to be for the second question more now just from talking to you mm-hmm. but the thing that i since being here and i've kind of spoke with you and mel and you know seen you both doing what you do uh one of the things that i loved most is your ability to kind of keep going and um continue to want to educate people in the kind of the issues of you know the 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 world and how we treat others and the environment and animals and not be kind of the knowledge that you have it, for it not to kind of halt you and 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 you struggle to to go forward because for me I've I've kind of as I've gone through this journey I struggle to see other people's viewpoints and I struggle to you know, for me, I've gone. I went through a stage of you know, why is everyone not vegan? Why, why can't you see my point of view? Um, so for me to watch you, I remember watching um, Mel do um, her court vol mm-hmm. presentation. So she and it was a little bit different to the tours that we usually do, and it was longer and more in depth. And I was just watching it, and I watched her for the full half an hour or, what, or 40 minutes or however probably long it was hour and a half with her. probably yeah probably it, it dragged on because everyone was asking questions and you know some of the questions were i kind of listened to the questions and i thought you know how do you not know that already you know and i know that that's a wrong outlook to have which is why i admire you know the kind of calmness that mel has in responding to those questions and she really wants to you know she wants to help people she wants to, to she really believes in the cause that she's fighting for as as do you so the question is how do you find that motivation where does it come from 
you know mm. that that's something that i want to be able to do to continue to do the work that i'm doing how, how do you not want to just go home at the end of the day and think my god the the world is ending there's no mm. point in trying to save it yeah it's a good question um just on the second part if i went home and did nothing i'd feel worse <laughs> and i have so, felt yeah. worse you know like when i if i'm not involved in like something that's purposeful and like then then i i would deteriorate <laughs> yeah you know so then my purpose keeps me keeps me feeling energized because i know i'm doing something that's trying to make the world a better place to prov- to provide habitats for wildlife to in- in- include people in that journey yeah um but i think ultimately like i won't speak on mel's behalf but on my behalf like i think like i was very lucky i grew up mum's a clinical psychologist okay and you know she is very open about a lot of the the work that she's had to do and and well not that she's had to do that that she does and i think that she really introduced me and my brothers uh, um when we were growing up that not everyone thinks the same way Mm. and there are so many infinite different you know ways that people can see the world and I think that that has allowed me to be a little bit softer now with people I think when I first started traveling I was what and it was kind of around the same time when I guess I was transitioning away from eating meat and I was transitioning into doing a lot of spiritual work and like look looking inwards and I think I also wasn't necessarily the most welcoming with those messages at that time as well and I would have been guilty of what do we, we say like having a spiritual ego <laughs> and saying like i know better this is yeah, a better yeah, way yeah. like like you know this is the way that people should, people shouldn't be eating meat because like that makes you bad and like you shouldn't be doing these certain things because it makes you bad and i'm better and i think slowly i guess as i've matured over you know the last sort of five years i've come to understand that like with the human psyche if you push people intrinsically we push back as a defensive mechanism and i mean it's it's difficult because like it i mean there's so many different people like for some people seeing something like cowspiracy and they see like what goes on behind the scenes it's like oh i'm never eating meat again no worries that's like easy and i think things like that are really important and seaspiracy and a lot of those kind of expose things and the graphic things i think they're really important for a certain part of of the movement and 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 helping certain people to to make up their decisions but i think there's also a lot of people that um have an intrinsic defense mechanism when they're told that something they're doing isn't correct or Mm -hmm. isn't the right way because that forces us to look intrinsically and to tell ourselves wow i've been doing something possibly wrong i've been doing something the wrong way for all my life and i'm not willing to accept that right now 
and that can be a very very like difficult thing to think about okay, um, yeah. and I think I've come to a place where I'm like I would love I love to be wrong <laughs> you know because yeah. like if I'm wrong and I like accept that then I'm like well now I've got a new piece of information like I don't want to be out there like you know spreading a bunch of wrong information I would yeah. much rather someone's like hey, actually this is the cor- this is a correct piece of information this is a, a better way to do things this is a a more holistic this is a like a this is a nicer way <laughs> you, you know to do things or to act and to be in this world this is a more sustainable and friendly and loving caring way to live your life and but I, I don't necessarily think that everyone is as open to being you know hit straight in the face with mm. being said or accepting what I'm doing is something wrong it doesn't necessarily mean I think that that's wrong because I think quite often regardless of whether it's transitioning away from eating meat or it's any other thing you know single use plastics or you know our behavior towards other people it's good for things to come from different angles and to hit you from different angles so like you know like your friend might tell you so you know say you're still eating a load of meat your friend is a vegan they come to you and they you know they start to tell you all of the issues about that and you might just see your friend like oh yeah sure like that's grand it's just you like i'm not i haven't really accepted that yet but they've planted a seed and then you might like then down the road you might see a video and then you might like hear something on a podcast and then you're like another friend comes and then like your little brother says something and all of a sudden you've got like all these seeds planted and you start to like feel like there's other people out there you're not alone in this like and i think that's really important is like sharing the messages that like sure like things that we as a society have done in the past may not necessarily have been the best things for the environment or for animals yeah but like generally we have to, like we have to think that most people are trying to do their best like they're trying with the they're doing the best in the circumstances they have with the resources that they have to provide for their families usually usually and um and i think it's it's good to 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 get those messages from lots of different people so we don't necessarily think that like I don't necessarily think that someone's going to come to SRI and they'll walk out the door and their whole life is completely changed and they're like going to like their personalities change and from this point on they're never going to be the same again but like one percent of them might change or there might be a little seed that got planted they're like whoa I had no idea that like dairy farming in the current practices is like destroying all of our fresh water yeah they're like, oh, wow, but now I know that, but I, I'm still not fully equipped to, like, to fully change my whole awareness. But then they might go away and then they see, like, a video pop up on Facebook about, you know, <laughs> about the way that bobby calves are treated, for example. Yeah. You know, and, and cult. And, or they might be driving down the road and they hear when, say, the mothers are calling to their calves and crying and crying and that horrible feeling. And then they start to associate these things potentially and go now the value of me not consuming these products outweighs my like cultural upbringing of thinking well like I need to have like 
animal milk in my cup of tea you know like i need that because that's how i have tea now i have this information i have this education and i think that's why that's how we continue to keep doing it because i think there is a growing movement out there you know and it's becoming easier but it's important that like we like at sri we share those stories and we like everyone that comes into the center has an opportunity to realize that what we do in our homes impacts like all wildlife and, and the environment yeah and we can like bring people up to the seals and we say look at this incredibly cute little like sea dog with these big puppy dog eyes and like one of the reasons that it's in here is because of you know the the industrial destruction of the ocean or like because of the industrialization of our farming industry that has caused huge water quality issues that causes the you know massive increase in illness and disease in, in our waters and we have this really nice opportunity to bring people to give them the education and then also to like allow them to emotionally attach that piece of information with a with an animal and to say here's a solution this is a different narrative this is a different way that we could start acting as a culture that's going to help protect this cute little seal which is an which is an ambassador for all wildlife which is an ambassador um for us treating our environment better i think no i I do i do see that i yeah no that's cool i was talking to maddie about this the other day because i feel like you know we could do 10 tours in a day and if the last tour of the day you know you you start to talk about how you know um the runoff from animal agriculture is is a big thing for polluting the waters that harms these seals and uh eating less meat is a direct solution for that and then someone goes wow i didn't know that mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna do something about it because they they previously before walking through the door they didn't know that information so they couldn't act upon that and that it, you know just to make that one change in that one person mm-hmm. who might go home and tell a partner about that and it it, it, it is yeah it is when you come here and it's you can see that happening it does make you want to carry on definitely and i think like that's why it's nice in a, in a visitor attraction like this you know in a hot in a wildlife hospital it's a unique opportunity to introduce those bits of information to people mm. because it can be very hard to find opportunities to introduce that information to people like yeah it's very hard to walk down the street and just like turn up to someone and, and be like hey did you know that like current agricultural practices are you know massively harmful to all of the biodiversity and yeah because they're just gonna go oh, shut up yeah, or like leave me alone set up a stall you know even like which you know there's a huge amount of great work being done and, and like protests obviously are really important but people are coming in to see the seals mm. and so we have this unique opportunity before you're allowed to see the seals listen to this information yeah and so they and because we've over time we've you know honed the narrative of how to deliver those messages it's not that we're coming in and telling well we try not to like have people come in and say everything you're doing is wrong now go see the seals it's like we have you know this 
these are these are the issues these are the reasons why the seals are coming in in the first place this is an individual seal as an example that was impacted by this this threat whether it's you know um antibiotic resistant bacteria in the water or whether it's you know injuries from a massive storm caused by climate change or emaciation from like you know from overfishing and, and destruction of marine habitats we have a seal that we can emotionally connect to that issue and then we have solutions we're saying these are some of the things you could do to ensure to help ensure that this doesn't happen again yeah because in a minute we're going to introduce you to this little pup outside who's you know five weeks old and hasn't been given a chance at life because of it in in large part because of the way that humans have impacted their environment and it takes away from that animal's intrinsic right to safety you know obviously like in nature like nature's harsh i'm not saying that like you know like the predator prey dynamics are like cute and fuzzy and stuff mm. like that there's a lot of rawness in nature and we have to also understand that but when we industrialize everything that it can that it takes away from the natural selection it takes away from the natural processes of an ecosystem happening then i think we need to yeah the, the way the way that we are consuming food is is working against nature rather than you know with it it is not a terms of it doesn't have to be either there's like no no millions of cases across the yeah. world of proving how mm. you know whether it's animal agriculture or whether it's horticulture or whether it's you know they can, there's regenerative practices that mm. benefit the farmers that bring more money in for the for the for the farmers for the landowners that benefit our communities that benefit our economy it's just that we've relied so much on fossil fuel i think that we've deluded ourselves into thinking that like <laughs> that these practices are sustainable yeah when they're not they're just reliant on massive machineries and <laughs> but um no i that's cool. But I, I think it's easier to think that way and, and feel good about, you know, um, the world and people when you're in uh, an environment like this one. Mm-hmm. Everyone is here for similar reasons and things like that. For me, I struggle when I go home and I live in a small town mm-hmm. and all my family are big meat eaters and you know my friends that i grew up with uh, still eat meat and haven't gone on the same journey that i've gone on and i love my friends and family very much but when i go home and i stay with my mom for a few days and you know it's just business as usual in terms of mm-hmm. meat on the table and meat in the fridge and i just when i went home um before i came here i really struggled with that mm-hmm. it because i spent a year in a flat in Manchester on my own where I was in control of mm. what was in the fridge, what I bought, everything. Uh, and I, um, you know, went out with people who had a similar mindset and we'd go to vegan restaurants. And, you know, I kind of got used to that lifestyle of mm-hmm. the world is cool. We're making, we're, we're moving, we're progressing. And then you kind of go back to where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, I, that was me, you know, four years ago. I would go to those restaurants with my friends and eat meat. So that's why I'm not, you know, I've not got rid of them from my life. You know, (laughs) I'm not, but I do 
I have to admit that I do struggle with it and mm. that's something that I want to work on to you know be able to but, but at the same time I, I always think about um, my partner that I was with a few years ago she had a mindset of um, so at the time we lived in a house in a bit of a it was a bit of a rough area you know um, there wasn't a lot of money in the area you know it, crime was in the area and things like that and instead of wanting to move out of that area into a nicer area she had the mindset of it's better for us to stay here and hopefully change the place that we're in you know speak to local people you know to kind of you know help them think otherwise if they were involved in things that weren't that great and you know help put more money into the area by doing up our house to make it more mm-hmm. and things like that and i always think back to that and in, in terms of you're uh, like a catalyst for change aren't you yeah that's yeah and that's something that i would love i would love to think like that mm-hmm. but i do i struggle with that you know i would much i would rather live in manchester city center mm-hmm. going to vegan restaurants mm-hmm. but i would also love to go back home and help my family just see things from a different perspective mm-hmm. but i'm aware that i do get very defensive and i get very emotional because i'm very invested in mm-hmm. in you know that's understandable i think one thing that's that's really important probably from your point of view is like i mean you're an athlete as well you know and you've done some pretty like amazing athletic feats mm. and i think that that is a really important thing to to live as a as a vegan and to prove that you can still be happy and healthy and i think that one thing that kind of impacts the movement is possibly from the outside is the perspective is that when people become vegan they it seems like they're suffering because they're like if you're looking at like every piece of meat and, and thinking like i mean i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just exploring this idea is that like if say in your house and you know you open the fridge and there's like a big steak there for example in your mind you're like well i see all of the impact behind the scenes of what that piece of meat actually yeah, means definitely. and so but what we need to show people I think is that like when you become vegan you can be extremely happy and energetic and full of life because of that and not suffer because of that only focusing on the negative aspects and saying that it's very difficult because as a change maker you're up against you know a it's a fight you know and so you, it is you have to you have to i mean for your mental health <laughs> you yeah. need to be able to find a balance to say sometimes i need to be like a passive catalyst for change and sometimes i need to be an like a an active catalyst for change and if i'm always being if i'm always rearing like the more um so I'm not sure if you know like kind of the different like masculine feminine masculine not in terms of male female but I mean in terms of the actual like masculine feminine energy masculine is much more like doing and feminine is much more feeling and I think and sometimes when we're at war 
especially these days when it's not so necessarily so much about physical war I mean although there is obviously a war going on but in terms of this movement I mean sometimes we focus too much on the like physical like push 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 and we don't allow you know to give something a, a little push and for it to rock and then to catch it mm. and to feel it and to like that softness that comes with it and like I think as a lot of vegan plant-based people have that softness that compassion and they have it for animals and so we need to maybe extend that out to the people that we're trying to encourage them to change yeah to say look I know this is going to be hard because you're having to change something you've done for your entire life and you might not be ready for that and so like how can we like support people into that and so they so people feel comfortable to step forward and I mean ultimately it comes from education and it comes from softness and like I said it doesn't mean that there's no place for that push and that fight and that warrior like spirit you know to go out and be like what the fuck are we doing to this planet (laughs) but it also means that like we need to recognize that sometimes pushing is actually preventing us from succeeding yeah so like if you're like say for example just as an example say you know your your mum's putting a huge amount of effort into cooking these amazing meals or you know your dad's cooking these amazing meals and you're constantly you know angry about that and it's making you hurt and they're they're feeling that that that's making you hurt oh, that's maybe that's not such a good it's um what's a good example I think sometimes it's it's like a good like a good example there would be like I oh, like okay I'll cook dinner tonight and cook something that's really amazing and really tasty and not focus on the fact like it doesn't have meat in it and and having that conversation it's just like mm. how amazing is this meal like it, it tastes delicious like and giving people that opportunity to experience it without the association of being like look it doesn't have meat in it yeah it's it's just a meal in itself it has this beautiful intrinsic value and all these flavors and spices or whatever it is and it's the same in conversation to sometimes we have to go like we need to live in a world without meat but and other times we have to kind of have the conversation of having look at all the amazing ways that we can live with all of these resources yeah it's like i don't know there's it's finding a balance of yeah. of showing how bad this world is but also bigging up this world you know this vegan living this can be good as well because mm-hmm. if you if you you know bring this world down so much mm-hmm. without this it's kind of it's a it's not a force for change but it's one of those things like all the stuff you're saying i'm aware of it it's just sometimes your emotions can get the better of you and 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 you know you, you act on your emotions rather than you know i know what i'm doing it's not, it's probably not the best thing to do but things well, like i mean that. you see it like in, in politics all over the world there's like massive polarizations happening mm-hmm. you know and there's like in so many situations there's an inability for us modern people to be able to communicate effectively with each other and to compromise with each other and to say okay I don't agree with everything you're doing but it doesn't mean I don't like I don't love you as a person yeah you know like 
like we had my our um, my family over to stay um, in the summertime because we got married and we actually had a fully organic, fully vegan wedding, which was quite cool. That is cool. Um, unfortunately, like most of it was all delicious. Unfortunately, the main was like kind of overcooked and undercooked because they said the speeches ran over and they like had to redo it all, and so like that kind of ruined that like impact that we were trying to have was that same thing as like look how amazing it can be yeah we didn't tell anyone it was a vegan wedding it just was and so we were trying to like inspire people being like you didn't even notice did you yeah like you had no idea that like there was no meat involved in that it was just an amazing meal and everything was apart from the main and it just kind of came because then there's a reason to be like oh that's because it's exactly yeah um but i think like over my time over over the past sort of eight years while I've been engaged in kind of environmental work like I think at first the same as like you're saying I was I was a lot more pushy like how can you guys be eating like how can you eat salmon like god yeah. don't you know like all of the impacts that that has on the world like how can you eat this how can you eat that or how can you do these things and then I think I kind of softened off and I think that my like family does eat less significantly less meat now and that's it for them that's like a sustainable way to live Mm. and i think we sometimes like i think we need to think about there being eight billion people on earth yeah and if we can at first get eight billion people or six billion people say to cut out 25 percent of their meat that is going to have so much bigger impact than like a thousand people becoming vegan. We need True. those people to lead the charge. Like we need them. Like a good, like an example I like to use is like, say like with Buddhist monks. You know, like the the highest of the monks, they go up into the mountains and they retreat and they like push human consciousness to places it's never been before, and they're like pushing the boundary and. And then they're teaching and they're bringing people with them on that path. So every step they take into a higher level of consciousness, they bring, they open up that opportunity for someone to step in behind them. They make it easier. And so I think we absolutely need people that are like absolutely diehard, extremely strict, like vegans to lead that charge and to show, look, this is a way to, to live. And I can be energetic and I can be a successful athlete I can be a successful businessman I can be successful and uh, you know compassionate loving I can have an amazing family and we need those people and I think we also need people just to like we also need the we need the majority of people just to like reduce down and I think that'll be a lot more like the communication piece around that I think is a lot easier because it's not saying change absolutely everything you do it's just like let's work together on this and then in doing that you know I was saying like okay well it started off you know for me with the guilt and stuff but then I associated all these other values in me stopping to eat meat because I'd stopped eating meat I can now go oh well it's now it's better for the environment it's better for animal welfare it's I can pile on all these other reasons because I started off, do you know, it's kind of like a, a, a snowball. <laughs> no, I like that.
Okay, the last last question. I mean, it can be as long. The answer can be as long or as short as you want. But I just thought it'd be good to ask why Seal Rescue Island. For me, yeah. I mean, you've been here a few years. You you obviously <laughs> you you obviously uh, believe in mm-hmm. what what it stands for, and you know do, why is it that you think you can make the changes and live the way that you want to live through Seal Rescue Island. Um, how how long have you been here? Five. Yeah, almost five years. Five years. Yeah. Um, I think. Like I mean, I'm a, I've been a volunteer for about four and a half years, and so I owe like a huge amount of support to Mel, you know, for supporting me through this whole thing. And I mean, we're very much a very strong team, and we work together very well. We've got the same. We're very different in terms of the ways we go about things, but we have the same like vision and the same dream. And so it's good. It's like it's teaming up, and like I think that like Seal Rescue Ireland has given us in our personal journeys the platform because it because it because the animals are so adorable and mm. there's so many of them and it brings it, it gives a chance to bring people into the space which is you know the visitor center and to see these animals it it is a extremely valuable opp- opportunity to kind of introduce people to to this whole world and like you know we we take a very holistic um view around you know like focusing on all the different issues in the emo- and and bringing the emotion into it and bringing the storytelling into the into the organization and looking at the proactive conservation um and I think for me especially the proactive conservation is why I can I just because like I absolutely love seeing these animals going from being you know like sick and dying to going and being released i absolutely love that process but i would find it very hard to pour so many resources into doing that if we weren't addressing the 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 root cause of the issue because then i I would feel like we were just putting them back out into a, a repeated cycle and so the reason why I love this organization so much is because of that whole story connection. Okay, we can be at the bottom of the cliff and we can like catch them as they fall and we can be that ambulance service and we can do an incredibly good job at that and have really high care standards and good success rates and like give these animals, these individuals a chance to go back out into the wild and to live. But we're also working on projects to address the issues so that like them and their children (laughs) don't have to face the same threats that they did and bringing people along on that journey as well because sure we could go and plant trees out on the field you know and we might plant I mean what we've planted 15,000 but if we bought you know a bunch of people in the community along with us then it's the same ripple effect you know it's the same with the vegan movement if we bring people on that journey and say okay well look one of the ways to solve the water pollution issue the biodiversity loss climate change is to change the way that we manage the land and the things that we use the land for 
I can go out and I can be plant-based and I'll have an impact. But if we bring people along on that journey through Seal Rescue Island and give them that education and give them the, the knowledge to be able to make their own decisions to change, then we can have a far bigger impact. Um, and I think that SRI allows that to happen. And also I think because they were a training hospital and you know all of the volunteers and interns and staff that come through, it's awesome because there's so much there's so many cool people here you know there's so many amazing people that come through and commit their time to this journey and that makes it really fun you know like during covid when everyone was locked down you know there was like a group of people here that were just like you know in this little bubble doing this amazing thing and like being able having this incredibly um privileged experience to work this close with wildlife and be able to physically over the period of a couple of weeks or a couple of months see these, these dying animals become healthy and I just think it's such a like it, it's such a positive and it's such a holistic thing like if we yeah I think <laughs> that's why ultimately the people and the and the animals and and the the wider scope of work that we're looking at to bring people along with it is there's good purpose in that you know and in, so, and I think like it, it comes back to what I was saying before is like my purpose being part of something that I see as valuable and purposeful that keeps my mental health strong you know that keeps me well rounded and keeps me like able to go to sleep at night and say well, even if the world is, you know, there's issues in every corner of the world, at least, like, I'm trying my best, and, like, I'm not perfect, <laughs> and, like, I'm on a journey too, we're all on a journey, but, like, at least I'm, like, learning and figuring out new ways to try and be involved in something that's going towards the right direction. Sure, maybe it's not, maybe everything I'm doing is actually, like, ultimately, like, when we go through a full circle, going to make things worse. This, but we have to try, you know, and we have to always like base our base our decisions on the facts and being compassionate. <laughs> I think amazing. I don't think you could have answered that any better. I think that was. Nice. I, I I mean I I feel like I I completely agree with you. I mean I've only been here three months, and not a lot of time in comparison to five years. But like I definitely. I can see that, and it was one of the things that I was skeptical about um, in coming here. Not just because, not just here, but any placement because I just through my uni course. Even though it's wildlife conservation, there are a lot of people who choose this field. Um, I don't want to say selfishly, but it kind of is. It's, it's kind of you know you you can be passionate about animals in a in a way that only benefits yourself and if um, charities or companies or anything is built on that mindset it, from a selfish point of view you know you won't have n anywhere near the impact that a charity or an, a company or a brand from a kind of a selfless point of view uh, uh, you know they want to help others rather than themselves mm -hmm. and I think that's something that Sirius Garland does so well 
and you know I could see that in the first week just in the way that it runs in terms of just the training and and how they they treat the seals and and the kind of goal of the organization you you see that really quickly and and just the people who run it you can have a conversation with them for five minutes. I, I had a conversation with you, I had a conversation with Mel. Anyone, you can see within the first few minutes what they want mm-hmm. and what they want for Sierra School Island. And, and I think even just from the brand itself, you know, as Sierra School Island as a brand, people mm-hmm. can see that as well in terms of the work they do. And yeah, because yeah. I think ultimately, like the. Like we're experiencing experiencing a cultural shift in like value, mm. like massively, and we're going from a place where, like, money was the most important thing, you know, and like yeah. that kind of thing, and now, like, there's a whole new generation. It's not necessarily just younger people. There's a whole new generation of people who value things that are sensitive to the world around us and regenerative and sustainable and you know compassionate and loving and inclusive and accessible and there's mm. this which we've we're evolving to value things in a different way and i think that as an organization seal rescue ireland is trying to help people recognize that the other value and things and that's why we have you know so many amazing people that commit what is it like i think there's about 800 850 hours of volunteer work that goes into the center alone every week like it's huge amount of like love you yeah. know that is and that's been happening for 10 years you know like and obviously it's growing and there's there's more people involved now but like and that doesn't even include all the risk all of the time at rescues that's just at the center and so i think stepping into that zone is inspiring Hmm. for people and you see people working on seals and it's hard work it's like grueling especially this time of year when it's dark and it's cold and it's raining and it smells and there's like so much going on but like you're part of this like you're part of this team that is just like so like dedicated and i think that's inspiring for people to be part of that when we've gone through like the schooling system and the university system and it's very much about like it doesn't have that inclusive inclusivity and that purpose built into it you can come here and you can experience being part of like a family based on conservation and 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 animal rehab a wildlife rehab and caring for animals yeah so, and the environment so cool well i think i've got everything i wanted to have you got any final thoughts any final no i think um i think it was really nice it was a good chat cool and um yeah keep doing it keep keep leading the way keep being keep being like the light that you need to be in like just remember you don't always have to push as well you know like just remember that like sometimes it's better to like stand back and to like wait for someone to come to you yeah sometimes it's important to be a warrior and to fight like hell figure out that balance and that's how you'll be the most effective at what you're trying to be in this movement cool well thanks and thanks for listening
got my mushroom pants on, but they've all got edible, forageable mushrooms. So you've got Amazing. like coral mushroom and porcinis. <laughs> you've got like lion's manes and stuff on here. So it's probably the best mushroom pants I've ever seen. <laughs>